Hello and welcome to Business Unmuted, a business discussion from Recognition PR's studios and broadcast on LinkedIn and later shared on platforms including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. After two weeks of relaxation and recuperation, it's great to be back uh, talking to some excellent guests today, getting their insights into what's going on in the world of business. A thank you to Caroline Theobald, who kept my seat warm while I was on holiday in Britain, enjoying some good weather for once. As ever, we're kindly sponsored by Virtue BMW, which is part of Gateshead-based Virtue Motors PLC. If you're in the market for a new or approved used personal vehicle or looking at fleet options, stop by one of their dealerships in Stockton, Durham, Sunderland, Moulton or York. Today we're joined in the studio by Andrew Fulton, Head of Operations at the world's only polyhalite mine at ICL Boolby on the East Cleveland coast. Phil Atkinson, Managing Director at Acliffe-based BTS Facades and Fabrications, which manufactures bespoke rain screen systems and fabricated metal construction products. Down the line, we've got Ashley Fennick, who's sales manager at Lettings and Estate Agency, My Property Box, which manages more than 1,000 properties for hundreds of landlords. Now, let's start by looking at some of the data from the economy. According to Lloyds Bank, business confidence in the Northeast has risen by 13 points during July to 40%, the highest reading in the UK. Down the road in Yorkshire, they saw a small dip in confidence, down two points at 22%, which is still above the year-to-date average for the UK. That confidence is reflected in factory output figures released from, from the UK Manufacturing Purchasing Managers Index. These show that factory outputs grew at among the fastest rates in history, with British manufacturers optimistic about the outlook, with 63% expecting output to continue to rise. However, supply chain issues and the pandemic are continuing to affect manufacturing, something I'm sure we'll hear more about today, because we actually have a manufacturer in our studio. First, though, let's turn to you, Andrew Fulton from ICL Bulby. Uh, you're not manufacturing, but you are putting things out, extracting polyhalite and, and putting it out there. How is production and how is the pandemic affecting it? Good afternoon, um, and good afternoon to the viewers. Uh, yes, we mine. Uh, we mine a, an organic fertilizer. Uh, and we distribute it around the UK and around the world. Um, production has been on the increase, as have sales, and in the second quarter of this year, we increased sales year on year by some 30%, Wow! Uh, which is very encouraging because we're now leading our production through our sales. I'm lucky enough to have been down the mine. It's one of the deepest mines in the world, certainly the deepest in Britain, isn't it? It's uh, the second deepest in, in Europe, actually, yes. Fantastic. And I was down there as well myself today overseeing operations, um, very encouraged by the motivation of the teams, um, really high respect for all the safety controls, particularly around COVID, uh, and we're looking to supplement um, those activities with further investment, uh, both in infrastructure, equipment and skills, uh, which we're hoping to source from the region um, that we're in today. Now the product, it comes straight out of the ground. You don't have to do a lot to it, polyhalite. There's a seam of it under the, the coast, at the, in the North Sea under the coast on East Cleveland. What, what is its, what is its uh, efficacy? What, what does it do? How does it work? It's a multi-nutrient organic fertilizer. But because we don't have to do a great deal of processing to deliver it to the farmers, it is one of the lowest carbon footprint fertilizers on offering against all of its competitors, mm. which really position us well into this uh, modern take on what um, uh, customers and consumers want from their food types. Uh, and so it's a, it has a really unique uh, selling point when, when uh, farmers are considering what they'll put on their fields uh, to grow their crops. And I suppose with the current uh, 
agenda being so much towards climate change and uh, the issue of net zero being upon us. The food production industry does have a carbon footprint. Does this fertiliser affect its carbon footprint in a positive way? It does. It does, it does reduce it um, basically as it leaves our gate. Um, and our, our partner distributors are also looking at how they will improve their carbon footprint by improving their distribution networks uh, to further improve the offering that uh, farmers in the UK are expecting uh, and ultimately the consumers are expecting. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it's a great um, uh, opportunity for Europe and the world beyond uh, to recognise the opportunities that are, that are presented in Polyhalite uh, and we market it as a polysulfate product. Um, not only is it as a great uh, fertiliser offering the nutrients but also, as I said, it has that low carbon footprint. Okay, I'll come back to the issue of COVID in a minute because I know that there's some unique issues that you've had to tackle on that. Uh, but, but first, let's go to you, Phil. You're a manufacturer. Uh, yeah. You heard me talking about the Purchasing Managers Index and how confident they are. How do you feel about the things you're manufacturing? Is demand up? We have never been busier. We've, our pipeline of work in 12 years has never been stronger. Um, this last couple of years have been the most difficult in the 12 years since inception, mm. but I think we've got light in the um, light at the uh, end of the tunnel. Well, who, what kind of organisation buys your products? What, what, how typically are they used? We deal with main contractors like Lang or Rock, who will have an installer to install our rain screen products. Right. So we install on large residential schemes in London. Right. And what, what size of business is it? Is it Acliffe uh, in Canada? Yeah, Acliffe Industrial State. We, um, we set up there in 2012, having three years at Spennymower. Mm -hmm. And um, we've gone from 5 million to 2019, 8.3 million. Uh, oh. Last year oh. it fell back to 5.3. This year we hope to get to 6 million just to re-establish ourselves and so growth get is, back to growth. growth yeah. But it's still, a, you know, it, it might be a, a small business, but uh, this is a, an owner-managed family business. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. doing some serious, serious work. My brother, my dad, my other brother, my brother-in-law, my wife is the finance director. It's a great family veil, yeah. Fantastic. How many yeah. people do you employ? In the height of 2018, when we did 8.3, it was 55. At the moment, we're down to 42. And are you taking more on? We're trying to. That's where we're going to come to in the conversation. We... We're advertising for two press operators, two labourers, and two welder fabricators, but we just can't get this. There's no skills out there. At it's the moment. extraordinary. This is this comes up so much on our business discussions. And and Andrew, you you your 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 operatives are highly skilled, but particularly with the safety issues with mines. But I suppose staff and keeping staff is one of the most important things for you. Uh, it's the trade skills that, uh, that 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 we have the most challenges in because they are very transferable. Um, the growth in the in, in the northeast. We're so excited about it, but we've got to maintain the feedstock um, mm. because right now it's it's getting thin on the ground in terms of what's available today, and people are moving on relatively quickly because there's a lot of opportunities out there. Yeah. Let, let's turn to another sector. We've got uh, Ashley on from uh, My Property Box. Now you're renting and uh, selling houses uh, around the northeast. What is demand like? Uh, if I had a house now that I wanted to put out as a private landlord, would you be able to find me tenants? Absolutely. The demand is huge at the moment. Yeah, it's gone absolutely crazy in the last six months for sales and lettings. And, and what do you think is driving that, Ashley? I think um, probably the, the whole lockdown experience for people has made them, especially for the sales, the houses have either been too small because they've all been in it together for so long, or it's too far away from family or too close to family. 
and I think it's pushed a lot of people out of towns into the rural areas so yeah it's just changed everybody's outlook and you know your home is very pivotal to your life isn't it so I think that's been what it is really. In, in your sector as well as these market dynamics there's also been a, a dynamic of regulation because during the pandemic there was a, a moratorium on anyone being evicted if someone had not paid their rent whether it was by virtue of uh, necessity or deliberately there's nothing that could be done about that uh, given that you look after landlords, what's happening now and what reassurance can people who own property get that that, that isn't going to hinder their uh, their income? I think, um, you know, things are starting to straighten themselves back out again. We did have quite a long period there where, you know, rents were a real challenge, we, you know, getting people to, to pay the rents, even though a lot of people who work, you know, were still on 80% furlough at the time, they kind of took the decision you know, to not pay the rent instead of just paying 80% of it. Mm. Um, so it, it has been a challenge, but we are getting there. It's getting better. People are starting to get back to a little bit of normality. So we're hoping going forward, those challenges are going to get less, definitely. Okay. Well, we'll come back to you in a minute to talk about how uh, how COVID and working uh, is, is, is coming about for you. Um, let's talk to you first, Phil, though. Uh, you were talking about the staffing issues. Um, other things that are affecting manufacturers include the supply chain and potential shortages. Have you yeah. experienced any of that? Majorly. 80% um, of our products are aluminium. Uh, one mil and two mil aluminium, no problem, you can still get it. Three mil, no chance. Okay. Um, now, what is the primary reason behind that market blockage? The, the mills in Europe are just too over capacity. The, um, Europe had a dumping duty for products coming from China Mm -hmm. So and the Chinese market's grown, so they're looking after their own market and they don't want to pay the dumping duty to go into Europe. We don't have the dumping duty from China, so we could import direct, mm. but we've chosen not to at the moment. And but uh, we, we've closed down all the mills in this country. We used to have one up in air and... Uh, and, and also in the Thumbland there was yeah, one, yes, as well. And I think this, this, this is about the supply chain in so many things now, the fact that we are reaping the reward or downside of not having a resilient supply chain. Manufactured products like yours in steel are me maybe specialists, yeah, yeah. but there are also construction products. Timber as well is T a problem. The, pallet, the price of a pallet that we use to ship goods out, it was a t it was £10 this time last year. It's £33 for a pallet. Mm, mm. It's, everything's gone up, everything. Andrew, of course, you are a supplier because you extract things and sell it. But do you subscribe to that view that perhaps we let our supply chain uh, evaporate on various things? We don't have so, quite the same challenges for the, the raw materials coming in because, of course, all mm. of ours is, uh, is blessed going, to us. And you're uh, going out. <laughs> blessed to us by geology. Um, but uh, global freight has is, 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 is really hit home. Um, global freight has increased by, by three times over the past year. Uh, the last month alone by some 12 or 15 percent mm. um, and that's that's commanded by the demand from uh, the Americans in, from, from China the fact that all the the, the, the freight is distributed around uh, America and around the world and there's enough truck drivers to pick up the uh, the containers to take them back to the, the ports um, Suez and other active uh, problems within uh, within the Far East from um, uh, uh, ports closing down due to COVID have all had a negative effect on on global freight uh, and the costs have skyrocketed. So we're seeing that as a problem in our supply chain to customers now. Okay, well, we're going to just pivot a little and talk about the pandemic in a different way. It's often been said that younger people are seeing the biggest impact 
on their professional lives as a result of the pandemic. And I know that running my own business uh, here, the young people at the early stages of their career do want to learn from people who are more experienced firsthand. And it's clearly a sentiment echoed by the Chancellor. Here's a, a quote from the Chancellor that he gave to the media recently. Uh, it's time to get back to the office. Get to the office if you want to get on, is what he said. What do people think about that? I, I'll start by putting my opinion straight in. I agree with that. And I try to keep my office open as long as possible to the point of putting my money where my mouth is and buying loads of COVID tests so that as you walk into the building we're in here now, you are tested, you are clear of COVID, you can work with confidence. Um, Phil first. Well, we, we set up temperatures uh, measures when they walk through the door. We've, all, we've always had a work from work policy. Mm. Um, it wasn't very popular, but we did risk assessments and we knew that the, the workplace was safe. We're all, we're all spaced out, we're all, we're all safe. And what, what, you, look, you and I look at similar age, we've probably got young people, uh, sons or daughters that are in the workplace. And what is your experience of young people's attitudes towards this? Well, my daughter works from home and I just don't think it's fair. She's not, getting, uh, she's not getting motivated, she's not getting empowered by people alongside her. Yes, this learning from others, maybe we're, we're a bit too long in the tooth, but do you subscribe to this view, Andrew? I do subscribe to it, actually. Um, the face-to-face -face -face opportunities must be offered to the, to the youth of the day. They, they won't um, see and feel the environment of, uh, uh, of a large, large industrial sector or an office even, but equally we must respect the opportunities that have COVID has, has taught us about remote learning and remote uh, working. Um, and I think it's going to be a blend, a blend of the two, uh, but we've got to cut that balance at the right point. Um, and the pendulum has been swung in the minds of some of the young and we've got to help steer that back and bring their, bring their back to work. I think there's going to be some anxieties we need to overcome and we'll have respect for them, but we will, as you say, make safe workplaces yeah, yeah. and workplaces where people can step out again and meet again in groups. I was talking about my own office. You two are here in our studio now, Gemma. Uh, 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 Ashley, we'll have you back in our studio in due course. Uh, but um, Andrew and Phil both took COVID tests to come in yeah. and you didn't mind, did you? No, not at all. I've, I've taken all. two this week and I encourage my workforce to take a minimum of two each week. Uh, we've distributed something in the range of 100,000 individual tests. So that's the test, the boxes with about 15,000 of the test boxes, uh, which contain seven in each. Um, and our teams on site are taking them regularly to confirm their status, not just for the site, but for their families as well. You must have spent thousands on tests. I've spent 8,000 and I only have 15 staff. Well. Through the government, certain organisations have been able to uh, get the same kits that are freely available in chemists as well. Yeah. Um, so it's getting that on bulk supply. It's one of our barriers. Um, um, we continue to wear masks in the workplace uh, because we still want to respect the, 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 the pandemic, but also to manage the pandemic as well yeah. and ensure that we can answer if you were exposed at work, you were safe. Therefore, you can return to work. Um, but those that have been uh, needing to isolate because of the ping, we've also found that we can get dispensation for certain safety and production critical roles, which has been really helpful. Uh, yes, I mean, you have to run a mine safely. There's no two ways about it. And, and I suppose uh, mine op operatives go down the mine shaft. And if I remember rightly from a few years ago when I went down, there's like 10 people or so in each lift. That's close contact. You can't avoid that. And so you could get people transmitting. Well, we, we've reduced the numbers in, in the cage. We've split the shifts and we continue to split the shifts to ensure that the numbers are limited. 
uh, we supply full FFP3 uh, masks that are face fitted. So not only for uh, transfer, but receipt as well. Mm. Um, and the numbers, as I said, are limited and the controls are, are quite credible and tangible in the, in the workplace such that the, the staff are safe. A lot of it comes down to behaviours and the teams are all well on board uh, and continue to demonstrate the right behaviours to support themselves and each other and of course the business too. Ashley, a few years ago, just before the pandemic, your business, My Property Box, bought a nice office in the centre of Darlington, a very trendy, very nice office. Uh, uh, it must have been a bit frustrating to not be able to use it during the pandemic, but what about now? Have you got people back in and is the Chancellor right? I think he's definitely right, absolutely. Um, all of our staff are back in. I mean, we have all the safety measures in place. Our owner, Ben, has been brilliant that way. We've got, you know, the safety screens in for all of the desks. I mean, we're very fortunate that it is a big office. We all have separate um, offices that we work from and the big offices. And so we, we, we're very spaced apart and we all feel very safe here. And I think it, the Chancellor is absolutely right. You know, young people need the interaction of other colleagues. You know, it's, it's, it's really important. It's vital for their progress. So absolutely. I mean, I, I know uh, from experience talking to people, um, in, not just in my business, but in my family and so on, that mental health issues have hit young people very significantly. If you are a, a young person who is not married, you don't have family and you're just working from your bedroom and you're perhaps working if you're not at home in a flat and you don't have a garden, that is quite a big thing, isn't it? You must have tenants that are in that position. Um, so that 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 is something that perhaps uh, one should consider. I think yeah, I think it's very difficult um, for some tenants who, like you say, you know, they might live in a flat where they have no access to outside space, and if they're working from home, you know, they're spending a lot of the time on their own, and it's bound to have an effect on the mental health. You know, they've got to, you know, having the journey into work, having a walk into work, and then meeting up with colleagues at work. It all helps with the mental health side of things, so I think it's very important. Can I ask you all now, just looking at this and your businesses going forward, if the the case rate for COVID was to be stabilised at between 20 and 50,000, I would be very reluctant to accept any politician that said we would have to take any further lockdowns now with people being fully vaccinated and, and, and perhaps that the economy requires us to work through this. Uh, that that may not be welcomed by a lot of commentators in the media, but from where I see businesses, we perhaps need to assert that point of view. What's your view on that, Andrew? Uh, the mining industry is, is itself quite regulated for good reason. It's a it's a it's a hazardous environment, so we understand how to uh, balance risk and uh, and reward. Um, so we've we've ensured that we recognise um, the minimum level of controls, which is uh, mask wearing, social distancing, etc but value the engineered controls, which is uh, vaccination. Mm -hmm. And now that that's available and we've encouraged it across the site um, and we are confident that we have a great, a high proportion of staff vaccinated that we can start to reduce some of the lower level controls so we can completely open up the site. But we will do that through consultation with the workforce when they are also ready, just like the business. Um, and rely on the, the, uh, the engineered control, which is, which is, which is reducing the impact uh, it will still be prevalent, uh, it will still be around uh, with the virus, uh, but we can now manage it. Phil, what, you have a smaller business. Yeah. What is your view about the necessity to keep on now, the ratchet uh, that Boris Johnson said about well, no going back? The fact that we're near herd immunity at 
means we've just got to live with it and move mm. on. Mm. We've invested heavily in automated machinery that I love doing factory tours. I love all my clients to come up and see what we're made of, but they haven't been allowed for 18 months. Yeah. I want to get back showing people around, doing hospitality, going to football matches with them and socialising. And show and tell is a very important part of business, isn't it? It is. Uh, no big, no big question time, yeah. about that. Um, can I ask? Uh, I'm going to I'm, I'm going to pick on Phil on this, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject uh, Ashley or or, or or Andrew to this question. No jab, no job. Does everyone in your business have the jab? Do, have you asked them? Are you bothered? To be honest, I don't know. Is is my wife might be able to answer better because she works in HR. Um, it's not a question we've asked of the of the workforce, but uh, we would not. You wouldn't it's, have it's no pri job. It's private business, right. yeah. It's okay. like everyone has the right not to take the jab. It's quite f fascinating a recognition we act for a number of businesses, some of which take Phil's view and one of which of Charlie Mullins, Pimlico Plumbers. He's actually invented that phrase, no jab, no job, and it's spreading. You know, the, 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 uh, the big tech companies in America are saying it. Uh, and you, you are seeing COVID passports in, in America, of all countries where they value their freedom, COVID passports are being implemented in New York. But you're obviously not of that position. No. I'm not going to put Andrew in the, in the difficult position of answering that question. Do you want to make, give any comments on it, Gemma? Uh, <laughs> Ashley? I, th I think it's up to the individual, isn't it, really? You know, we know which way the country's gone on a whole, but it is up to the individual and they've got to have, you know, they've got to have that choice. Okay. And Ashley, what about the uh, the workforce uh, that you've got? Everyone's back now. How do you feel about the prospect of no more reversal? Are you Do you feel that it would be a difficult thing to justify any further lockdowns? I, I, th I think so. I think, we, you know, everybody's made massive strides in all of their fields, you know, and I think it would be a real shame for us to go back over now. We've, we've made such good progress. We need to just forge away and get forward now. Well, Ashley, Phil, Andrew, thank you very much. Thank you for my new producer, Joss Havakin, who also got us a new set uh, and uh, we'll be doing more Business Unmuted every Wednesday live on LinkedIn at five o'clock or on these other channels over the weekend.